Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, May 21st. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So have the markets suddenly come to grips with the reality of inflation? Kind of seems like it. This past week, we've started to see a rotation in the markets, a big pivot, if you will. Last week, I talked about the hotter-than-expected CPI data. As you'll recall, when the numbers came out, gold sold off and dropped as low as 18.10 an ounce. And, of course, this has been the pattern. Hints of inflation were driving gold prices lower because everybody expected the Fed to rush in and fight the fire. After all, that's the Fed playbook. But after the initial sell-off last week, something different happened. Gold rallied a bit, and then it took off. This morning, we're trading above 1875 an ounce, and on Wednesday, the yellow metal touched 1890, so knocking on the door of 1900. From that 1810 low after the CPI data release, we're up better than 3.5%. So, in a nutshell, gold is starting to behave in the way that you would expect gold to behave in an inflationary environment. And silver has also seen a solid rally. The white metal is trading around $27.70. It was over $28 earlier in the week. As you would expect, silver has been a lot more volatile, but it also is trending upward. I'm going to talk a bit more about the silver market later in this show. Now, this rotation isn't confined to the precious metals market. We've also seen a shift in the dollar. The greenback is suddenly starting to look like a currency facing inflationary pressures. We saw some legit dollar weakness this past week with the dollar index dipping below 90 for the first time since February. That's within a couple of percentage points of lows we haven't seen since December 2014. This morning, the dollar index is at around 89.7. Now, if you go back to 2014, that was the early days of a big dollar rally, which was based on the misguided notion that quantitative easing was this huge success and the Fed was going to be able to normalize monetary policy, in other words, raise rates and shrink its balance sheet back to pre-2008 financial crisis levels. Now, we know how that worked out, right? About the time the Fed was tightening in earnest, the stock market crashed and the central bank went right back to handing out easy money. So dollar weakness is part of that pivot. I think it's pretty significant that the dollar is starting to show weakness despite upward pressure on bond yields and increasing nervousness about inflation. Because remember, up to this point, investors have been viewing inflation as bullish for the dollar and bearish for gold, again, because of what they expect the Fed to do. Now gold and silver are pushing up and the dollar is showing weakness, as you would expect, in an inflationary environment. There's also been something of a pivot in the stock market. Investors appear to be rotating out of tech stocks and more speculative momentum stocks, and they're moving into more traditional value stocks that tend to be better inflation hedges. And then there's Bitcoin. As you probably know, the cryptocurrency crashed this week, falling below $30,000 for a bit. It wasn't long ago that Bitcoin was above $60,000. It seems to have found a floor for now, and it's stabilized at around 40 k If you're listening to me regularly, you know that I'm not nearly as negative on cryptocurrency as Peter Schiff. But I have warned that people shouldn't put all of their eggs in that basket. 
I mean, I don't think you should put all of your eggs in any basket, but there are reasons to be wary of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. If nothing else, their volatility. Big price swings like this are the norm. We've seen this over the life of Bitcoin. Peter pointed out that it appears Bitcoin is trading a bit more along the lines of those momentum and speculative tech stocks. Now, over the last year or so, I've heard a lot of people claim that Bitcoin is going to replace gold as the go-to store of value. But, you know, maybe putting a tombstone on top of gold is a bit premature. Now, I'm actually pretty bullish on crypto long term, and I love the blockchain technology. But that's not where I would turn to preserve my wealth. To me, my crypto investments are more speculative. I think I could make some big money. But I also know I could lose big money, as people who bought near the top and then panic sold Bitcoin at 30000 now know. Anyway, it appears the big institutional money is pivoting out of crypto and back into traditional wealth-preserving inflation hedge, i.e. gold. According to a JP Morgan report, large investors are shifting away from Bitcoin after favoring the digital currency over gold, a trend that uh, started last fall. Quote, the Bitcoin flow picture continues to deteriorate and is pointing to continued retrenchment by institutional investors. This is from a JP Morgan note to clients. Over the last month, Bitcoin futures markets experienced their steepest and more sustained liquidation since the Bitcoin ascent started last October, end quote. Now, again, I'm not here to crap on Bitcoin. I'm just saying that it doesn't appear to me that it's going to be the portfolio hedge that many people believed. I mean, it's just too volatile. That's the reality of it, and it is what it is. I don't think it's a threat to gold. It's not the same thing as gold. You know, I view it as a different investment. My attitude has been, you know, it's not an either or thing. Why not both? So anyway, I digress. I don't want to get into a big thing about uh, Bitcoin and crypto. What I'm really driving at is we've seen this big pivot. It appears the markets have suddenly decided, you know what, maybe the Fed isn't going to fight inflation, which is exactly what I've been saying for months. I don't think the Fed can fight inflation. The inflation is what's propping up the entire economy. Do you really think, here, here's the key question, do you really think the Fed will pull out those props? And if it does fight inflation, if it does pull out the props, that, of course, is not good news for the overall economy. So I think either way, however the Fed ends up going, it's not going to be a bad thing for gold. It's going to be good for gold and silver. We caught a glimpse of that midweek when the Fed minutes came out. Now, generally, the Fed minutes don't tell us a whole lot that we didn't already know, right? Between the FOMC official statement and Jerome Powell's presser, the Fed sends all the signals that it wants to be sent uh, during the meeting. But the minutes did have an interesting tidbit this week that moved markets. Some of the Fed members were hinting at the possibility of tapering QE in the upcoming FOMC meetings. Quote, a number of participants suggested that if the economy continued to make rapid progress toward the committee's goals, it might be appropriate at some point in upcoming meetings to begin discussing a plan for adjusting the pace of asset purchases. Now, when this came out, uh, I think it was on Wednesday, stocks went into this huge freefall. Now, let's step back and look at what actually happened. A few people on the Fed board suggested that they might maybe start talking about talking about 
tightening policy sometime later down the road, maybe. And the markets pitched a big taper tantrum. Just the hint of talking about tightening monetary policy, not doing anything, mind you, just just a little chat, and stocks tanked. Now, imagine what will happen if the Fed actually starts talking about tapering for real, or if it were to actually slow down its asset purchases or really raise interest rates. What do you think the markets would do? It would be beyond ugly. And I'm not just speculating in the dark here. We saw this song and dance in 2018. We already know that the economy can't keep chugging along with higher interest rates. And by high, I mean 2%, which isn't high by any stretch of the imagination. And the economy was in way better shape in 2018 than it is now. I mean, that was back when we had the greatest economy in the history of the world, right? And yet, it couldn't handle a modest tightening of monetary policy. It couldn't handle a little pivot from the easy money that was injected into the system during the 2008 crisis. As soon as that punch bowl was yanked away, the partiers got very, very angry. And that is exactly what's going to happen if the Fed yanks the punch bowl away again. We have a bunch of heroin addicts that are addicted to their heroin. They're not going to take kindly to uh, having the heroin taken away from them. They're going to go into a nasty withdrawal. And uh, you know that's what happens when you have an addict. In fact, they need more and more of the heroin, not less. So that's where the Fed is right now. It's between the proverbial rock and a hard place. And that's why I think it's going to put off any actual attempts to tighten monetary policy as long as it possibly can. And by the time it does get around to doing that, God only knows what price inflation is going to look like. That's why Peter Schiff told Tucker Carlson that the looming crisis is going to be far worse than the pandemic. I'll link to that interview with uh, Tucker on the show notes page. So, We have this big pivot, right? Will it last? I don't know. Markets are fickle, right? But in my view, they are starting to look like they should in an inflationary environment. Maybe the mainstream is starting to see the writing on the wall. In fact, TD Securities head of global strategy, uh, Richard Kelly, he told CNBC that gold is still relatively cheap, and he said that it has plenty of room to run up. And if gold has some room to run up, then so does silver. Interesting factoid, when silver crossed the $27 an ounce level last week, it was up 70% year on year. That compares with a 6% rise in the price of gold. And even the mainstream is starting to be pretty bullish on silver, with many commodity analysts saying the rally will likely continue. Now, investment demand for silver soared during the pandemic. Holdings in silver-backed ETFs tripled last year, surpassing 1 billion ounces for the first time ever. Meanwhile, investment in physical silver also saw a healthy increase. Silver coin and silver bar purchases grew 8% to 200.5 million ounces in 2020. That strong investment demand has continued into 2021. Just as an example, American Silver Eagle sales boomed in the first quarter, with sales totaling over 12 million ounces, a 20.8% year-on-year increase. Strong sales came despite the mint rationing the sales of Silver Eagles. But about 60% of silver's demand comes from industrial and technology applications, along with jewelry fabrication. Overall, industrial demand fell uh, by 5% to a five-year low last year. 
Ole Hansen, who is the head of commodity strategy at Saxo Bank, told CNBC that surging industrial demand as economies reopen is driving the current rally in silver. He said, quote, industrial demand is probably the main reason we've seen silver outperform gold as it has over the last year. Part of that rise is definitely coming from industrial metals, which have really been on a tear. If you look at copper prices, they've more than doubled since hitting a low point last year, he added. According to the Silver Institute, industrial fabrication is forecast to increase by a healthy 8% to a record annual total this year, led by electrical and electronics offtake. This forecast pickup in demand is predicted Uh, predicated on a recovery in vehicle manufacturing, strong consumer electronics demand, and further gains from the solar sector. Interestingly, the solar sector was the one industrial sector that actually saw an increase in demand for silver last year. Now, keep in mind, more fundamentally, silver is a monetary metal. It tends to track with gold over time. So the inflation issues that we've been talking about are really I think the prime reason to be bullish on silver. Keep in mind, silver is always going to be a lot more volatile than gold, particularly if you're watching the short-term charts. But as I said, it tends to basically track with gold over time. The silver-gold ratio is still at 67.5, which tells me the white metal remains relatively cheap compared to gold. So there is room to close that gap. If you want to learn more about the case for silver, we've got an in-depth report, The Powerful Case for Silver. It covers the fundamentals of the silver market and explains why investors should be bullish on silver in the long term. I recently revised and updated the report. It's free, and uh, there's a link to it on the show notes page. And of course, if you want to learn more generally how precious metals can fit into your personal investment strategy, how it can help you as we deal with this coming surge of inflation, I highly recommend talking to a ship gold precious metal specialist. Just give them a call at 1-888-GOLD-160, or you can just shoot them an email to info at shiftgold.com. They'll be happy to talk to you and uh, just, again, tell you how precious metals can fit into your personal investment strategy. So that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more. Keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap at iTunes, on the Shift Gold YouTube channel, or on Stitcher. Um, you'll find links to all of this stuff over on the show notes page. Uh, as always, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show, and I hope you have a fantastic weekend.